The Perfect Stress Podcast does not provide medical or nutritional advice, nor is it a substitute for medical or nutritional advice, and is not intended for the prevention, cure, or mitigation of any medical condition or disease. This podcast provides information only. Please consult a physician or nutritionist for advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perfect Stress Podcast, where we walk that fine line between being productive and overdoing it and triggering stress-related symptoms. I'm Adam Darrow, your host and founder of MyStressAlarm.com. I've brought this fact up before um, that according to the CDC, about one in four adults has multiple chronic conditions. Um, But now I'm looking at a more recent study on the CDC website, which I will post the link as usual in the show notes. This is from 2020, but it's on 2018 data. The research is always going to be, you know, uh, is always going to lag a bit, you know, because first the data is collected, then it has to be analyzed and peer reviewed and published and so forth. Um, But it says in part, Prevalence of multiple chronic conditions among U.S. adults, 2018. Data from 2018 National Health Interview Survey, NHIS, were used to estimate percentages for U.S. adults by selected demographic characteristics. More than half, 51.8% of adults, had at least one of 10 selected diagnosed chronic conditions, arthritis, cancer, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, coronary heart disease, current asthma, diabetes, hepatitis, hypertension, stroke, and weak or failing kidneys. And 27.2% of U.S. adults had multiple chronic conditions. That's a lot. Okay, I'm done reading. And by the way, notice they didn't include autoimmune disorders. So, I wouldn't have even been counted as as having, you know, even one chronic condition, let alone multiple ones. They don't include mental health related as well, like clinical depression and anxiety. Um, So you know that percentage is higher when you account for all chronic health conditions. Now, I went back and checked a similar survey from 2010 on the CDC website, which I'll include that link as well. And it was estimated 26% had MCC, multiple chronic conditions, back then. So it went on, I'm sorry, so it went from 26% to 27.2. Now, there may be differences in how the data was collected and analyzed, but the general consensus is that, at the very least, the trend is not decreasing and most likely increasing. I always say that the fact that there are significant and growing public health issues is not simply a reflection of our state of health, but our state of mind in this fast-paced, postmodern world society we live in today. And certainly, I, I can't say that unchecked chronic stress is the culprit in every case. That's probably not true. But it's not hard to believe that it's probably related to a good number of cases, right? Now, usually when I bring up these statistics, uh, I lead into why managing your stress is so important. And to some extent, I will bring that up later. But I wanted to discuss this from a couple different angles today. One of which is that 
if you have, say, anxiety or clinical depression, I don't have those, so I can't speak directly to it, but I can say that you're not alone. Even though you may feel alone or a freak or something like that, you're not. And just to add to that, your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities are not unique. A lot of people have what you have. They just don't scream it from the rooftops, you know? And it really doesn't matter how good looking you are or, you know, how famous you are. Uh, if you have a lot of connections in society, if you're rich, uh, even the one-uppers, it doesn't matter how perfect your life looks on social media. Everyone has their vulnerabilities. It's part of being human. Imperfection is part of the human condition. So again, don't think that somehow you're different, you're a freak, uh, because you're not. Not by a long shot. One of my weaknesses is when my stress goes unchecked, my colon becomes inflamed. Well, that's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, the vast majority of people in the world, their colons don't become inflamed just because they have unchecked stress. Just saying. So does that make me a freak? Of course not. And in life, there are times when you're, you know, you're going to be more vulnerable and need assistance. It's part of the plan. And I've mentioned this before, actually did a whole episode on this a couple months ago, but it helps to be able to anticipate these, what we'll call them low times, okay? Even if you can't avoid it, just knowing that there will be these low times helps. And as far as, far as not being able to do anything about it, in hindsight, my prognosis had a lot to do with my own behavior, which was good news. Because that's something that I can control and improve on. And that's not to say that in all cases it's behavior, okay? But then again, behavior does play a role. Even cognitively, how you perceive things plays a role. And yes, this podcast is much more geared toward personal responsibility and, and what you can control, what you can do to help your condition. I mean, after all, what would be the point in, in focusing on what you can't control, right? Another angle, you know, to look at this growing trend of multiple chronic conditions is that it kind of flies in the face of modern medicine and technology, doesn't it? I mean, you would expect certain age-related illnesses to increase because our life expectancy is longer than it was maybe 100 years ago, right? But chronic illness, you can get at a fairly young age. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at age 30. So, Longer average life expectancy would not explain the increase in multiple chronic illnesses. And as I mentioned before, to some extent, you can, can, you can attribute this to chronic stress. In fact, based on what I've seen over the past 10 years or so on some of the big online health support groups, those with tens of thousands of members, I'd say easily one in five posts are stress-related. And so from a technology standpoint, it's kind of hard to gauge what net impact technology has had on society over the years. Because one of the things technology has done is change our expectations. So for example, when it became easier, because I'm, I'm from an accounting background actually, but when it became easier to close the books as a society, as a whole, we could have said, Whew, okay, you know, we can all relax a little bit more now and still meet our deadlines. 
But did companies do that? Heck no. They said, okay, instead of taking two weeks to close the books, we want them closed in three days. You might even have to come in on the weekends. It, it kind of reminds me of the movie Office Space. We're kind of behind, so if you could come in on Saturday, that would be great. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm going to need you to come in on Sunday, too. Thanks. That was a great movie, but I, got, I digress. The point is, stress went up because we decided as a society to change our expectations rather than take advantage, from a stress standpoint, the efficiencies that computers offered. And, you know, th this gets into a philosophical discussion. You, you know, I, I used to make fun of the argument that ATM machines were taking jobs away. I just thought it was, you know, short-sighted because, yes, certain jobs were being eliminated, but new jobs were being created, right? But you have to figure that the net impact financially on society was less jobs needed. I mean, that's what drives demand. Now, they'll say, well, you know, that's what our customers want. It's more convenient 24-7. You don't have to wait in line generally. And now, you know, ATMs do just about everything you know, except open an account for you or do a refi for, for you, you know. But I bet that's just around the corner. But now you can, you know, even deposit a check, no problem. Heck, you don't even need the ATM anymore. You can, you know, do that right on your smartphone. Just take a picture. But is it a win-win as many would like you to believe? I mean, it seems to me that technology is shifting from making things easier for people to do their jobs to flat out eliminating jobs as the main selling point of the technology. Think of how many well-educated, hardworking, professional people there were in, say, 1977, working as bank tellers. A lot. I mean, it was a totally different scene back in 1977. Look at self-checkout at grocery stores now. I mean, the appeal there is you don't have to wait in line so long, um, but you have to do the work. Now, for me, I find it kind of fun to type, type in the codes and see how fast I can do it. Heck, sometimes I mess with the machine and press Spanish, even though I don't speak Spanish. I know, I know, I need a life. But think about how many net jobs that did away with. But Adam, there's new jobs maintaining those machines. Sure not as many. That wouldn't make any sense, right? I mean, because if it took just as many uh, people to maintain the machines, well, that cost would get passed down to the grocery stores and they wouldn't be saving any money. So that, that doesn't make any sense. And then there's the question of privacy. As a society, we've always valued privacy. HIPAA, Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, uh, credit information, SOX compliance, uh, social security numbers and masking data. We have major laws around privacy and big penalties for breaking those laws. And yet, with the internet and Google and social media, we're giving up a lot of our privacy in exchange for convenience. And to some extent, you know, that increases stress. I'll explain, but the less privacy you have, the more stress you have. Well, Adam, if you don't have anything to hide, then you don't have to worry. 
But it's not a matter of hiding anything. It's just the sheer lack of privacy in and of itself. And trust me, this business model of giving up your privacy for convenience is becoming more and more of a hot topic. There are numerous projects going on uh, right now to try to create the next big social platform that does not require giving up your data, giving up your privacy. One is called Zion, Z-I-O-N. You can look it up, which is built on Bitcoin technology. But there are others, and who knows if any of them will really take off. But the point is that there's a tremendous demand for it. And why? Because we value privacy. There's less stress when your data is private. And video cameras everywhere. And for good reason. But still, it chips away at your privacy. And it does affect your stress level, even though you may not realize it. It's a concept I've talked about many times called creeping normalcy. Changes happen so slowly you don't even realize it. Uh, like the frog in the water experiment. It's also difficult to gauge the overall stress level of society because, you know, stress is intangible. It's a, it's a function of many things. You have to measure it at the individual level and then aggregate it up. It would be fun when the My Stress Alarm app comes out, which should be very soon, if it should take off uh, after a while where we reach critical mass. It would be fun to see at a macro level how the stress level changes over time among the entire user group. But if we just continue with the example of the ATMs, in 1977, if you needed to deposit a check, let's say, because we didn't have PayPal and Venmo and all that, you drove to the bank and you waited in line. And without a cell phone to keep you occupied, you literally stood in line looking around, trying not to stare at people, and just waited. And then you talked to a real person. It was a whole different scene back then. But not that long ago, relatively speaking, 41 years ago, 1977. By the way, do you realize that back in 1977, people would leave their house without locking the door? I mean, talk about overall stress level back then. Most people had pensions. I actually went through how life has changed over the years in episode 39, The Only Constant Has Changed. If you haven't listened to that one, it's an interesting one. And that's not to say, you know, there weren't any stressors back in 1977. I'm sure there were many. But my point is that it's tough to really gauge the quality of life, a day in the life back in 1977 versus now. The net impact on stress from technological advances in our society as a whole. But here's the thing. If it's not clear right off the bat, then it's a discussion worth having, right? Well, anyway, um, that's my two cents for this week. I really value your feedback, so uh, please don't be shy. You can make a comment on the Perfect Stress Facebook page. And always feel free to email me directly at adam at perfectstresscoaching.com. Well, again, that's it for this week. Please stay safe. Wishing you good health and success. And as always, thank you very much for listening. If you have an autoimmune disorder, heartburn, tension headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, high blood pressure, depression, or something else you think is stress-related, please try MyStressAlarm.com today. It's free for a limited time, there's no wearables or sensors needed, and it takes just one minute a day if you're slow. 
That's mystressalarm.com. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. And if you'd like to get new episodes automatically, just click subscribe. Also, I'd be much obliged if you left a review or comment. Well, until next time, wishing you good health and success. And remember, stress less to be your best.